Hey, I'm Curious City reporter Monica Eng. And earlier this winter, I answered a question about the Chicago tradition of dibs. You know, that thing where people claim a parking space with a lawn chair because they shoveled snow out of it? What I found is that dibs is not technically legal in Chicago, but it has been tolerated by mayors for at least half a century. This includes Rahm Emanuel, Richard J. Daley, and his son, Richard M. Daley, who even sometimes joked about it. If someone spends all their time digging that car out, do not drive into that spot. (laughs) But is dibs really just a harmless tradition? That depends on whom you ask. Take this listener who wants to be known as Maria from the North Side. She chimed in to support Dibs on my Facebook page. And she explained that she used to do it in her old neighborhood because street parking was scarce. It was pretty congested. So everybody was doing Dibs. You know, you would go out there and you would dig out your spot. And especially when I had little kids, I would stick something there because I needed to get, you know, into the car with my little kids. Okay, crowded neighborhoods, small kids. I could see why she might support Dibs and not think it was a big deal. But I wondered if some new information I got from the Chicago Police Department would change her mind. See, I recently requested car damage reports from the weeks right after three big snowstorms. And then I narrowed it down to just reports with words like Dibs, shovel, snow, parking. You may see where this is going. What I found were at least 64 incidents of what I call Dibs Revenge. They included things like assault, tire slashing, window smashing, and in one case, cutting someone's brake line, just because that person took a, quote, saved spot. There was even this one day where cops had to respond to 10 separate Dibs retaliation cases around the city. And this might just be the tip of the iceberg because we only got to see data for seven days after each storm. To give Maria and you a taste of what the crimes were like, I've asked a couple of colleagues to read from a few police reports here. One featured a dad dropping his kid off at school. He moved a couple boxes to park for a second, and when he got back... A known offender had spray-painted the door handles and rear license plate. But in another case, the offenders got even more explicit with the spray-painting. February 5th. 2011, Palmer Square. An unknown offender slashed two of the victim's tires and spray-painted the word bitch on her car. In another case, the dibs holder marched into the place where the victim worked, yelled at her, then went to the victim's vehicle and broke off the mirror. While some of the vandals were sneaky about the crime, others actually posted about it on social media. February 5th, 2015, West Ridge. Victim told responding officer the offender posted on Instagram a picture of a knife stuck inside a tire and wrote, quote, The struggle is real. People want to be disrespectful and careless of others' hard work. Going to happen to your expletive tires. And sometimes the damage wasn't just irritating. It was life-threatening. February 7th, 2015, Ukrainian Village. Victim, upon returning to vehicle, discovered the brake lines had been cut. That actually makes me angry. That's Maria from the north side again. That somebody would do that to somebody else's car. I know, right? That could kill someone. And even though the cops dutifully responded to all these cases, there was this other thing I noticed. That sometimes the cop writing the report kind of implied that this is just the way things work here, and people should know that. 
Victim had parked in a spot where there had been chairs put on the street to keep a spot for parking during snow time. Victim is not from Chicago and did not know that it's common for Chicagoans to hold a spot in this manner during snow time. And when it comes to solving these snow time crimes, the cops didn't have much success. In fact, out of 64 reports, only one resulted in an arrest. And that's because the victim saw her neighbor do it. So what's the true cost of allowing dibs? Well, it's important to say that the city's toleration of dibs doesn't automatically make it responsible for all these crimes. But we do know that police time costs money, new windows and windshields cost money, and a single new tire can cost like a hundred bucks. Lawrence Massal heads up the government watchdog Civic Federation, and he says things in Chicago need to change. Clearly, it is not the best practice to have people arguing over whether I was the one who shoveled out this parking space or you were or someone in my family shoveled it out. So now you, who may live right in the same building, aren't allowed to park there. We'd be much better off, as they are in other major cities that experience significant snowfall, by having a schedule of when cars have to be moved from one side of the street to the next or from one block to the next after a major snowstorm. And by that, he means we should have prompt city plowing of all the streets right after the storm, like they do in places like Minneapolis, where there is no dibs because there's no need. So what about Maria, who used to dig out spots and save them back in her old neighborhood? How did she feel after hearing all these reports? She said she understands why people save their parking spots and get mad when people take them. But she thinks in these cases, they've gone too far. So those people that destroyed other people's property, I mean, that, that was criminal. I, I, you know, I don't, don't believe people should do that to each other. So at least now, Maria understands that Dibs is not a victimless crime. Almost every year, there are folks who take it way too far and actually commit crimes that range from the annoying to the expensive to the life-threatening. And that is no joke. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. I'm Monica A. I can blow a big bubble for the best bubble gum. Got 12 toothpicks in my nail and thumb. 15 pairs of socks and a well for 32 feet that I won't keep still. But God don't care. God lives in a tree. The devil drives a tractor. The devil drinks whiskey. Oh, the devil. The devil's got dibs on me. My letter to said that came back in my And one more thing. I recently reported a story about what Chicago's culinary scene was like at the turn of the 20th century, from saloons to chop suey houses. But it wouldn't be a good food story without some actual dining and drinking involved. That's why I want to invite you to join me on Tuesday, March 3rd, from 6 to 8 p.m. at the historic Berghoff Bar downtown. I'll be leading a Q&A with a Berghoff historian about the history of one of Chicago's oldest saloons and how it fit into Chicago's food and drink scene in the early 1900s. You can also try their famous pairing of corned beef sandwich and a beer. But guests are responsible for their own tabs. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. 
Find NPR's Line wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.